quick. Love her. Love you guys. Glad that you're here today. Um, I've got a couple of things real quick, and then we'll jump into uh, our series. Um, first one, we have prayer this afternoon for Israel, uh, 5 o'clock here in the worship center. And we just, um, you know, I told the staff when we were in prayer before we came in, I said, uh, every time there's weather like this on the weekend, I always like with the Lord, I'm like, come on, do it on Monday and Tuesday, not <laughs> Saturday and Sunday. Um, but the Lord knows, and uh, I, I think Chris said it, pleasantly surprised to look out and see people here uh, today. Didn't know how that was going to go, and glad that you're here. But we want to pray for the nation. Uh, the Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And uh, this afternoon at 5, we want to gather together and do that. And if you'd like to find a point of how you can be involved, um, how you can participate, not just observe things that you see on the news and worry about them. By the way, we're going to talk about that today. But what can you do practically uh, and most importantly to put your faith out there and to be involved? I think um, being a part of the prayer would do. And so we want to invite you uh, to that, um, I, you know, the only other thing going on will be the Bronco game, and it might be nice to be here for prayer instead of <laughs> that this afternoon, and that's not prophetic. It's just reality. Okay, um, and then say this. Uh, you know, uh, two weeks ago, um, we had our missions emphasis, uh, Pastor Sabi and I tag-teamed the message over those two weekends. We had our missionaries uh, come in. He and Rebecca did a fantastic job yeah. with uh, what's going on in missions and the direction of it. And part of uh, their heart, they wanted to raise $200,000 for our missionaries, which was aggressive. I told him, you know, that's, that's aggressive. So let me tell you what you've done. You've given almost $100,000 uh, in the last couple of weekends towards that, towards our missionaries. There's still time to participate in that if you want to. We're doing that because the need, you know, Chris mentioned it, it's so great everywhere. It's great here. It's great in other parts of the world. But, um, you know, our 18, 18, correct, 18 missionaries uh, that we support, um, you know, they're kind of at, with what happens, America is the sending place and the giving place. Yes. It's just the way that it is. So many nations around the world, uh, you can see it politically and you can see it in uh, how the church moves it, America is the sending place, and so many of our missionaries count on what happens here to help them do what they're doing there, and it's another way to be involved, and so if you would like to participate in that offering, just make sure and mark uh, on your, your giving that you want it to go towards uh, that missions offering, and I want to thank Sabi, preached a tremendous message, great teacher, look forward to more from him, yep, and um, you know, if you're going to clap, like everybody should clap, like, you know, don't make the guy think, eh, yeah, there you go. And then um, last week, uh, Pastor Kate started our Up All Night series, and Kate did a tremendous job last weekend, too, so I wanted to thank her to say well done on that, too. Okay, so let's dive into it. Uh, our series is called, oh, I, one more thing, our, our, our India uh, meeting is today, uh, 12.30 p.m., classroom number two. Uh, the dates for that are April 2nd through the 16th. And I know, um, I know it's a lot of information. Some weekends, we just end up with so much. And how do, you, how do you say no to things that are important? If you had it in your heart to go on the India trip, you need to be a part of that 
today. You'll want to come. It's the informational. It doesn't commit you to going, but you're going to want to be a part of that in order to uh, go. And I know we got a lot of people that are interested in it. And again, we don't want weather to knock that, uh, to knock that out. So that's today um, at 1230. Uh, right after the service, basically, is what, uh, what will happen. And um, yeah, so uh, our series is called Up All Night. And um, let me show you this morning in the Denver Gazette was a little cartoon that, that happened because Bizarro, and I don't know if you are aware of this, if you appreciate it, it's bizarre. <laughs> Never mind. Um, I thought I was funny and you did not. Uh, smaller crowds are very difficult to... Um. So the guy, the guy goes, I was up all night, which is the name of our series, worrying about my cat because she didn't wake me up every half hour. And I know it's stupid, but that's sort of what the message is about. Yes. What keeps you up at nighttime? Yeah. Yes. And why are cats the way they are? <laughs> God, you're going to make me work really hard today. <laughs> what is it that steals your sleep? What steals your rest? What causes you to worry? What things does the enemy use when the sun goes down and it's time to rest and it's time to renew and it's time to refresh? What is it that the enemy uh, is successful at stealing your peace with? Years and years ago, I taught a message on the well-worn path. The Bible says that the enemy is a schemer. And the word scheme, uh, actually, it's a word picture that talks about a path that the enemy walks on. If you ever go to the mountains and you see on the side of the foothills, paths that go back and forth, those are from animals. Animals walk on paths. If you're a hunter, you're looking for the game trail. Animals walk a particular way. If you can find where they walk, where they cross paths, you can meet them there. You can get your prey. It's the same thing with the enemy. He walks a particular path into your life that he knows he can get you with. And it's not the same for everybody. It's different. What works on me may not work on... In fact, if you knew what was successful that the enemy is able to pull off on me, you might think, Pastor, how could you go for that? But no, when I found out what it is that he's successful in your life, I could say the same. How can you go for that? Is it something that happened to us in the past that the enemy can continue to bring back and torment us with? Is it fear of the future? Is it a health issue? Is it a financial issue? Is it a relationship issue? So right now, I think one of the things we could agree on that keeps people up right now, you look around the world, it's crazy in the world right now. And in particular in the Middle East. I mean, folks, I know we are numb because instant news is like, it's not only instant, but it is all the time. We're seeing things go on and there's so many things, one after the other. One bigger thing just knocks the other thing off the front page for a little while. And we get so numb to it and we live in a time where things are happening so fast that you can actually just kind of like, yeah, you, you just don't even like, it doesn't even phase you except you know it's crazy. Yeah. And then you see something like what happened on October 7th in Israel and you're like, this, this is beyond the pale. This isn't just some normal battle between two people who don't like each other, two people groups who don't like each other. This is evil. It's wicked. It's like in our lifetime, this hasn't happened. So what is that and what's going on? And I know our guide, our, our precious friends in Israel, both of his sons are somewhere with the IDF right now and he doesn't even know. It's a tough place to be at right now. 
So what, when we talk about up all night, what's the thing that's stealing it from you? So I wanted to talk about uh, wars in the Middle East uh, today, and I just phrased it this way, what is going on today? So let me, let me begin by uh, looking at two scriptures that definitively describe um, the season on the earth that we're living in right now. And the way that I know that it's definitive, uh, Jesus in these two scriptures is asked the question, I'll show you, uh, what's the sign uh, of your coming in the end of the age? It's the sign of the end times. That's modern vernacular. And then Jesus directly answers the question. So I'm not saying this might be prophetic. It's prophetic because Jesus says it's prophetic. And so if you're a Christ follower and Jesus is talking about seasons and times on the earth and we're living in them, you should lean forward, pay attention, open your ears and prepare your heart for that, right? Okay, so this is Matthew 24, uh, one through eight. Jesus was leaving the temple grounds. His disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. The temple at that time, it's remarkable. It's not just another large building, it's the building. You can see it from miles away. It's beautiful. It's like the crown jewel in what the Jewish people had achieved finally uh, in their state, in their land. And it is, it's remarkable. And so to talk bad about it is almost blasphemy. It's not, but it's almost blasphemy. So Jesus says this shocking thing as the disciples are pointing out how beautiful the temple is. Jesus responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. This is shocking to them. They're not like, oh, that's cool. This is like, what are you saying to us? Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, which is literally um, across a valley from where the temple would have been and from where the Al-Aqsa Mosque is now. And you can sit on the Mount of Olives and you're looking directly at it. So if you ever go with me, this won't be some word that you read, uh, you know, ink and paper. You will have a physical... Those of you who have been with me, can you picture right now where the Mount of Olives is looking back towards the Temple Mount. You know what that looks like. It's incredible. So his disciples came to him privately because what he said was shocking and they couldn't fully understand it. So his disciples came and said, tell us, when will all this happen? Direct question. Look, what sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Yes or no, I'm not twisting anything when I say this is prophetic and Jesus is addressing what the end of the age is gonna look like. You see it? Right? It's clear. It's plain. Pastor's not trying to make it say something that it's not. That's what it says. And so then Jesus answers the question directly. And I think he's kind of going in an order here. So the first thing that he gives them, the first piece of advice is, don't let anyone mislead you. So deception, obviously, will be one of the things that marks the end time. And I pointed out to the folks last night, the book of Isaiah prophetically says this. When wrong is put for right, and right is put for wrong, when good is spoken of of evil, and evil is put for good, yeah. Yeah. woe to you who live in that day. It actually says, truth has lying fallen in the street. And does it not seem today that truth lies fallen in the street in many ways? That what is good is called evil. What's evil now is called good. Right is wrong and wrong is right. And Jesus' warning is not to the world at large, but is to believers. Because the world can't be deceived. 
because they don't know who he is. It's people who know who he is who can be deceived. And yes or no, it's in the church today. People question the very reality of his word. They pick and choose the parts. Boy, I'm preaching hard in the first five minutes. Man. Uh, Let me take a drink of water. Okay. (laughs) Pastor Sabi's rubbing off on me up here. I Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and they will deceive many. And the people that he's talking about, the Messiah, the world's not looking for the Messiah. Right? Okay. So then Jesus goes into the second part of it. The first part's to watch out for. What's the sign of your coming, the end of the age? Deception. Pay attention. And then he says this, you will hear of wars and threats or rumors of wars. Don't panic. There's great advice. So if what's happening today and what's going to happen more frequently, I'll talk about this in a second, causes you to panic, you need to pay attention to what the master is saying to you. This isn't a time to panic. It's not a time to act like, hey, we don't know what's going on. The reason this is so direct and Jesus is addressing this is he doesn't want his church to panic. He wants his church to be different and to shine a light in a world that's panicking. We've got to be able to point, hey, here's what's going on today. And Jesus ultimately is in control, in charge. And I read the end of the book. We win. We do win. We win. All right. So you will hear of wars, threats of wars, but don't panic. Yep. These things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Uh, Look what else he points out here now. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. So now he's talking about ecological events going on on the planet. And we live in a day where it's argued about climate change. And a lot of that's because it's political. It's politicized. Yes or no? It's a lot of money in it. And there's a lot of uh, pressure governmental to say that this is the cause and that's the cause. So I didn't come today to say what the cause is other than to point out if the Bible points it out, then perhaps behind it, is more than greenhouse gas. Perhaps behind it is something that in the heavens is taking place to point to a season that we're living in. This is 2,000 years old. So the thing on the earthquakes here, um, uh, let me me do this for you real quick. Um, This is uh, a website called Statista. Uh, Jake, you probably would be familiar with it. You are like uh, into all of these types. Uh, see, you're rubbing off and you're both rubbing off on me. So Statista is just a website that keeps statistics all over the world ongoing. You actually, they want you to join it for $200 a month. Exactly, which I won't do. So this is the only free thing that I have. I give you one free thing and then you can't get any other information out of it unless you pay. So this is the one free thing. Uh, earthquakes, listen with the highest death toll worldwide over the last 120 years. So they've kept records longer than that. And we know of earthquakes that have happened uh, literally over a thousand years ago. And some of them were hugely violent earthquakes. But here's what this is saying. The ones that caused the most death on the earth have happened in the last 120 years. And if you take one of them out, they've actually happened nine of them in the last 80 years, and if you take two of them out, 
than most of them have happened in the last 15 years. So when Jesus said there's going to be an increase in frequency, there's always been earthquakes on the earth. Tectonic plates move. But he said there's going to be an, an increase and they're going to be in diverse various places. And they're happening all over the place and the death toll from them is higher. Things like that, I don't know. I can geek out on them. Perhaps you're like, Pastor, I, it's a big deal. I just think, here Jesus says these things 2,000 years ago and we're living in the time of the fulfillment of them. What does it mean? There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of birth pains with more uh, to come. All right, so a matching gospel uh, we find in Luke, and it's virtually, uh, it's Luke's version of it, Dr. Luke's version. Uh, he wasn't a firsthand witness, but he went back and interviewed the people who were firsthand witnesses to it. So Luke's writing mirrors very much what we just read in Matthew. And so here's, here's Luke's version of events. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they're about to take place? And Jesus replied, watch out, pay attention, be careful that you're not fooled. Many will come in my name. They will claim that I am he and they will say the time is near, but don't follow them. Don't be afraid. Here's great advice. Do not be afraid Thank you, Cindy. Didn't even have to look. I, oh, no. Sorry. It was you, Malia? Was Who? It was Keisha. Sorry about that. It's like you're throwing voices over there. To, okay. So I'm going to say it one more time and say amen. Don't be afraid. Amen. Come on. Don't be afraid when you hear about wars and about fighting against rulers. Those things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. It's almost mirroring exactly. Uh, Matthew 24, then Jesus said to them, nation will fight against nation, kingdom will fight against kingdom. In many places, there will be powerful earthquakes. Um, I don't point this out to like, <laughs> so up all night is not, how do I get you to stay up all night with fearful things, <laughs> right? I'm trying to point out the season and the moment that we're living in and then what is Jesus' advice to us? So he describes it as birth pains. Um, Chris delivered five children in our family. And here's what I uh, learned about those five births. Um, the closer you get to deliverance, the greater the frequency and intensity of the contractions and the pain. Yes or no? So the closer you get, the greater the intensity and the frequency. And so what Jesus is describing is these things have always been going on, but the closer we get to deliverance, the greater the intensity and the frequency is going to happen. So I just pointed out to you, we're living in a day where 50 years ago you had the press, but you didn't have the internet. It took days for things to go around the world. Yeah. Now in a moment... So as it increases, it's even faster in our ability to hear it and see it. All right, God's instructions is to take courage. I pointed out last night, 
Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the ability to move forward despite fear. That's what courage is. If you're waiting like, okay, as soon as there's no fear, then I'll have courage. That never happens. Courage is the ability. It's the pressure on the inside has to be greater than the stuff going on on the outside. Is that? So Jesus is saying, where's your trust at? Put your trust in me. Keep your hope. So he gives two pieces of advice to people who are living in this day and age. So let me read these to you. This is Luke 21, 18. Uh, Keep watch and be careful that you're not fooled. So it's really important that you not get brain numb while you're living in this day and just kind of flip channels or turn pages or listen with one ear and let it go out the other ear. This is the day to be paying attention. The return of the Lord will catch people off guard. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking right up until the ark closed, not knowing there was any different about that day than any other day. And it meant their destruction and doom. Pay attention. and Keep your hope in the right place. Is that fair? Thank you, two people who think that that's fair. Okay, Luke 21, 28. This is Jesus' advice for people living in those days. When these things begin to take place, look at this. Stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. So here's what Jesus is saying. Don't put your head in the sand. Don't hide out in your closet. Don't be afraid. Don't panic. Stand up, shoulders back, look up. Because what you've been waiting for is about to happen. Your redemption. So let me talk about the word redemption real quickly. Redemption means we get everything back. Everything that's been taken, you get back. You get your loved ones back. You get your authority back. You get the original intention for creation back. You will rule and reign with Christ. There will be no more tears, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more death. Everything that he promised won't come in bits and pieces, phases or seasons, but all at once and forever. Do you hear what I'm saying? And if like you're in a panic about it, dude, your hope is in the wrong thing. You're putting your faith and your mind in the news rather than in the kingdom of God. Yes. So it is, it's, the Bible says men's hearts will fail them for fear in things that are coming on the earth. I'd give you two pieces of advice. One, you don't want to be here for that. Call the rapture. I had a staff member tell me he wasn't sure if he believed in the rapture. I said, you will. You definitely will, and I won't have to convince you. It's for those who are looking forward to his return. They're paying attention. Make sense? Okay. Um, All of these things could be separate messages. Let me move into this. Let me talk about Hamas. Okay, um, the name Hamas is an acronym for the Islamic Resistant Movement. Uh, It's spoken in Arabic, which is where they get the Hamas from. And uh, just real quick, what Hamas is, I think that most of you know, but I don't want to make an assumption about it. Um, The PLO Yasser Arafat uh, was sort of the resistance fighter for the Palestinians in Israel. Um, the, the military wing of the PLO was Hamas. 
when Arafat died, um, Israel had pulled out of the Gaza area and self-government was all upon the Palestinians in Gaza. Arafat dies and they have an election and um, the people vote for Hamas to be the government inside of Gaza. So one election happens and from that point on, Hamas, which is a terrorist organization, will no longer let there be another election. So your average Palestinian does not like what rules them. But they can't do anything about it because they have the weapons and the bombs. There's a video you can look. They just put in uh, a water pipe to get water into Gaza. It's so third world in so many ways. And the billions of dollars that flow into it are all diverted by Hamas into weapons and into taking care of a few people. So they put this water pipe, and you can go on YouTube and look this up. They pulled the water pipe up to take the water away from the people so that they could build bombs, rockets using the water pipe. So Hamas to us today is the military wing. They are a terrorist organization. Uh, Iran primarily funds them. Um, your average Palestinian would not be like, hey, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. They can't do much about it. And I'm trying to point something out here real quickly. So we know Hamas is this military organization. Um, but when I was studying over the last couple of weeks and reading things and seeing things, man, I had some stuff pointed out to me where I had this God moment where it, I was like, I can't believe what I'm reading and what I'm seeing so the word Hamas is in the Bible. Yes. And if I said to you, if you know the Bible, and I said to you, just give me one verse where you can find Hamas, you can't think of it. I couldn't have either. But here's our problem. The Bible wasn't written in English. So the Old Testament is Hebrew. And the New Testament is primarily Greek. And then it was translated into the Latin. And then it was put into the King James English. And then today what we have are many translations that allow us to read it in modern English so that we can understand it. So if you go back and you were to look in the Hebrew, and you can do this for free by using a Strong's Concordance. And you can find it online or you can go purchase one at a store. A Strong's Concordance gives you the actual word that was used in the Bible in Hebrew and in Greek in the New Testament. So if you want to know what was actually written, if you want to know the definition or the meaning of a word, you get a strong concordance, you go to that verse, and then they put a number to the word so that you can look up the meaning of the word. Does this make sense? And if you're like, I know all of those things, be patient with those who don't. I'm trying to explain where this comes from. So the word Hamas is actually founded in the Bible. I'm going to teach you a little Hebrew this morning, actually help you to speak a word. But the first time the word Hamas appears in the Bible uh, is found in the book of Genesis chapter 6, verse 11. And so let me show you where it's at. Uh, let me set this up very quickly. Genesis 6, <laughs> Genesis 6 is a weird, uh, maybe that's not a good word to say, is a far out there's a 70s word. Uh, groovy. There you go, David Melson. Groove. That's an early 60s word, David Melson. Um, 
No, I guess that's a late 60s. Why am I arguing with you right now about uh, when that was? How am I trying to say this? It is, it's, it's way out there. Genesis 6 begins with scripture that is not easy to understand. It says that the sons of God saw how beautiful the daughter of men were and slept with them, married them in some translations, slept with them in others, and that um, they brought forth sons, and the sons in that passage are called the Nephilim, the giants, the men of renown and great strength who lived on the earth during that time. This is a weird passage. And some people think it can't mean that angels slept with humans. But when you read it and it says this is where the giants, it's, it's very hard otherwise to explain. And that's not the nature of my message. And if you're like, you're freaking me out, I'm not. I told you. It's a weird passage of scripture. The theory is, as it goes down, it says that man had corrupted his way before the Lord. And the word corrupt there means literally that messed up his DNA. But then it says Noah found grace and was perfect in his generation. And the word perfect means that his DNA was not corrupted. And the Bible says he was the only one on the earth. His family. And so the Lord comes to Noah and says to Noah, I regret that I made man. I'm sorry that I did it. And I'm going to destroy man. And here's what I want you to do. You're going to build an ark. And you're going to preach righteousness and repentance to people. And as long as it takes you to build the ark, you do that. And then on the day that the flood comes, you close the ark. Because I'm going to destroy what I regret making. And that's, that's a difficult passage to understand. Unless you can put it in the light. That if man's DNA had been corrupted because of the first part of Genesis 6... Am I making any? Yes. Do you follow? Are you, I mean, some of you are like, yeah, that guy, Colorado's got weird marijuana laws. Um, I don't partake, so this is being said straight. Um, in light of God's inability to fix something and having to start over, that might be a way to interpret this. So it's in that light that this conversation takes place. Um, so this is Genesis 6, 11. I'd encourage you to go back and read the whole thing of Genesis 6. If you just, you want to check and see if pastor's even like in his right mind, go back and, and read it. But this is what, the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with what? Violence. Okay. And a strong concordance, the word violence um, is, you'll find it in a strong concordance, H for Hebrew, and then it's the word 2555. You might want to write it down. Uh, Jeff's going to pull it up here in just a, a minute. But in Hebrew, here's um, violence in Hebrew is Hamas. It's Strong's words 2555. And so in the Hebrew, KH, look at me. My, my voice is a little dry. So in Hebrew, they have that deep. Do you know what I'm talking about? So K-H is pronounced Do it with me. It's not a hairball. Okay. So in Hebrew, Hamas. 25.55 in Hebrew, the word violence is the word 
Hamas. In English, it's pronounced Hamas. So let me show you other places in the Bible where you'll, uh, where you'll find this word. Uh, and it's translated. Let me give you all the way that, it's, that the word Hamas is translated in the Bible. Violence, violent, cruelty, cruel, wrong, terror. So Genesis 6.13 is just a little bit further down. God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with Hamas, with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. I would submit to you that Hamas is not a military organization inside of Israel, in the Middle East, that is bringing terror to Jewish people and uh, by proxy with Iran around the world, I would submit to you that Hamas is an evil spirit that has existed since the fall of man, and it's called different things at different times. In the 30s, it was called Nazis. 3,000 years ago, it was called Babylon. Today is called Hamas. It's a spirit of violence, an antichrist spirit. People come and go. Spirits don't die. So what we're facing today, pay attention to me for just a moment. It's not a people group. We don't wrestle flesh and blood. The average Palestinian in Gaza, in the West Bank, in the Middle East is not your enemy. Iran, the people of are not your enemy. You've got to separate a governmental system from a people group. The greatest revival in the world today is taking place in Iran right now. The second biggest one is taking place in China. Both governments hate that, suppress that, and kill their people for participating in it. But the Bible says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, spirits, and spiritual wickedness in high places, meaning governmental authorities. The enemy doesn't waste his time messing with a few people. He puts his power concentrated where it can enslave the most people. It's in governments and it's existed on the face of the earth and will exist until Jesus comes back. We will fight it one more time in a situation called the Antichrist. And it always targets primarily the Jews because that's where the covenant is at. God loves all people, but he has a special relationship with Israel because that's who he chose to give the covenant to. And the covenant is the promise of salvation. And Jesus comes through that seed. And we, according to the book of Romans, don't go around the covenant. We come to God through the covenant that he gave to Israel. So no wonder the enemy picks at that seed first and then every other human that he can possibly take down with it. So the hatred that you see for Jewish people today is not natural and normal. And you think, man, you're on a soapbox about that because I'm right about this. I see something and I know something. Pay attention, it's why I'm pastor. Hamas is not simply a thing in the Middle East. It is a wicked spirit. And it calls itself different things at different times, but it's in the Bible, and its primary objective is violence and terror on the earth. Do you hear me? I mean, I... 
Pretty good, Dave? Yeah, thank you. I thought so too. So here's my question, groovy. <laughs> How did Jesus deal with evil spirits? Yeah, Jesus didn't coddle. Oh, come here, you little spirit. Poor little. Jesus dealt with spirits mostly violently. Come out. Be gone. I bind you. Shut up. Get away. So we deal with it politically. What a waste of money and time it is. And while it's important to have good defense, and it's important to be on your guard, and it's important to pay attention, all we're going to do is spend a lot of money on something if we're not dealing with the root of something. Church, when we pray this afternoon, we're not praying for some. We just need a little bit of peace to fall, a little peace dust to fall. We need a spirit to be cast out. We need God to take his place. He is the peace of Jerusalem. He's the prince of peace. Don't make any sense. And so the world today, and the church in particular, we just watch stuff go by, and we're freaked out by it, and we don't like it, but nobody sees it for what it is. Deception. The first warning with Jesus was during this day, watch out for deception. Deception is not just, you know, I, I don't believe. Deception is not to be able to see something. Hmm. Okay. Let me shift gears. So what can you do about rest? If this thing is bothering you, the Lord's advice, <laughs> stand up, look up, shoulders back. Your redemption is very close. Yes. Take joy. By the way, the Lord's not going to leave us here on this earth for any of his wrath. We are not creatures appointed to wrath. So maybe there's a message about the rapture that I need to put into this. And if you're like, what is the rapture? Come back. Hope it's not a snowy weekend. <laughs> so what could you do about it right now? So let me tell you something that I came across recently. How much time? I'm, still, I'm ahead by two minutes right now. <laughs> the evening, if you're an observant Jewish person, Jesus prayed this prayer. So there's a morning, uh, it's spelled S-H-E-M-A, pronounced Shema. Shema. So there's the morning Shema prayer, and there's the evening Shema. I was very familiar with the morning. Blessed are you, O Lord God of the universe. And then they can do it over the meal. They can do it over uh, a family or what. That's okay. But there's an evening one before bed. And let me tell you the weird way um, <laughs> is here's how I found this out. And it's to my embarrassment that I didn't know this. I mean, I'll be 60 in a couple of months. I've pastored for more than half of my life. And I didn't know this until I was watching The Chosen. And I love The Chosen. And I had somebody write me recently and say, I don't know if it's biblical or not. <laughs> Here's, it is biblical, but they use, they paint between the lines. What the Bible doesn't put the emotion to and how it would have looked and how it would have felt that's what they do with The Chosen. And I'm not telling you you need to go watch it, but Chris and I have enjoyed it thoroughly. And so there's, they take the time um, where Jesus is, is ministering, and he's ministering all day long, and man, he gets done. It's like a 15 or 16-hour day. We never think about how it would have been. 
But the crowds were so thick and the people had so much need, they lined up. And the Bible says Jesus never turned anyone away. He never turned anyone away. You imagine thousands of people and he's committed to the last one. How long would that take? I mean, sometimes the disciples would say, send these people away. They've been here two and three days. So he's ministering and it's like a 15, 16, 17 hour day and he gets done, he's exhausted and he's walking back to his tent and the disciples are all arguing around a fire while Jesus is just, you know, I feel that way with my staff often. And (laughs) I mean that in no way, shape or form. I'm just a funny guy. Um, (laughs) And so... He comes back, and he can't even get his sandals off. His mother's helping him get his sandals off. And so he lays down, and he begins to pray the evening Shema. Blessed are you, O Lord God of the universe, who brings sleep to my eyes and slumber to my eyelids. And I never heard it before. So I look it up to find out, is this creative licensing? It's the evening prayers of an observant Jewish person. When I've had trouble sleeping, I've turned to Zequil. I've taken Ambien. Can you handle that? You going to judge me? I've laid awake. In the, my brain, I don't know if it's genetics. It's not a blessing, it's a curse. So I lay down at nighttime and slumber doesn't come to my eyes. My mind begins to engage in worry. And the challenge, hey, look at me real quick. The challenge is that Jesus said, come to me, all of you who worry. And give me the exchange. And God is my witness. I want to do that and I struggle with that. I worry about things. I worry about you. It's my job to care for your soul and I wonder how I'll answer to God for that sometime. You know, pastors get judged Twice, once for themselves, and then the other one over you. And I take that serious. The thing that protects you in this church is not that I'm a good guy, but I fear the Lord. Amen. Did you just hear what I said? Amen. I do think I'm a good guy, but that shouldn't be the thing you count on. I fear the Lord. I'll have to answer to the Lord for what I do, for how I spent the money, and for how I treated people. And for whether or not I was willing to stay and pray until the last one. It didn't make any sense. And if you don't carry that burden, maybe it doesn't make any difference to you. But it's heavy. And so I lay my head down and I worry. Yeah. And if I prepared people, if I gotten them ready, and what will happen? Will they be ready? Will people be deceived? Will I be deceived? Jesus said people will say, Lord, Lord, I did all these miracles in your name. And he'll say, I don't know who you are. That worries me. Maybe you're like, Pastor, what's wrong with you? I don't know. (laughs) It's like some people got great spiritual gifts, and I got the gift of worry. And I struggle, and I wrestle with that. And Jim, I can't sleep sometimes. It's been an ongoing thing since I became a senior pastor. And the enemies attacked me in that area right there. And I'll just tell you, uh, an older saint who had served the Lord her whole life when I first got into ministry, recognized something in me that couldn't rest. And she said, Pastor John, 
He's like 60 years older than me, calling me pastor. Pastor John, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. He said, because if you can't minister out of the overflow, then you're ministering out of what you have left. And that's a bad place to try to be married from. Margin is everything. Margin in your finances. Margin in your time. Margin in your health. Margin in everything. It's so important, isn't it? And doesn't it make sense that the enemy works overtime to steal margin from us so that we're operating like on the knife's edge? How good do you do on the knife's edge? I usually make bad decisions in that place. Anybody else? I make quick decisions. Uh, My temper sometimes can get the best of me real quick. It's a bad place to live at. Cindy, it's a bad place to live at. And if you're just going to judge me right now and be like, man, you're a pastor. How can you be in that place? I'm human, man. I need God more today than I've ever needed him. I'm being humble before you. I'm opening my heart to you. So I've struggled with this issue. And then I read the evening shma. And JJ is like me a lot. He can't sleep at night either. His brain kicks into high gear. He and I have had conversations by text at 3.30 in the morning. Hey, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Knowing that we both will be awake. Not always, but at times. Here's the evening shema. Sorry that I took so long to set this up, but I'm trying to show you the importance of a secret that I recently discovered. Here's the prayer that Jesus prayed. Here's a prayer that God gave, the evening prayer. Look at this. Uh, It's up. You can follow along. Praise to you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings sleep to my eyes. And slumber to my eyelids. May it be your will, Lord my God, and God of my ancestors, that I lie down in peace and that I arise in peace. Let my sleep be undisturbed by troubling thoughts, bad dreams, wicked schemes. Remember I said the enemy is a schemer and he looks for that well-worn path? May I have a night of tranquil slumber. May I awaken to the light of a new day that my eyes may behold the splendor of your light. I've turned to so many other things for sleep. And here, do you know that the Bible says that the Lord gives sleep to his beloved? Psalms 91 is a prayer you should pray over your life and your loved one's lives. Pray it over your pastor. Pray it over the world today. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. Stephen Diane, he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in him for he will rescue me from every trap and protect me from deadly disease. He will cover me with his feathers. It's a word picture. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the what? The terrors of the night, nor the arrow of terror that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. What a promise. What a place to put your faith and your trust when everything on the news is saying it's going to hell in a handbasket. What a promise. What a promise. How about 2 Samuel twenty-two forty-nine, 49, which shows us a verse 
with the word Hamas in it and what the Lord causes us to do. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the what? That word violent is that word, 2555, Hamas. You deliver me from the Hamas man. The person who would want to take my life or terrorize me. Maybe one of the most important messages I've ever taught in this church in 25 years. It is for today and for right now and for God's people. So we normally do four songs. We did three and the ministry time is the fourth song that the worship team is going to come and sing. And you can sit, you can stand, you can kneel, you can close your eyes, you can lift your hands, you can put your hands in your pockets, I don't care, but receive what we're trying to give to you today. Do not leave this place without this blessing upon your life. This is important. We are not playing today. Pay attention. Don't be fooled. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other and it be another message. The Bible says the enemy comes immediately to steal this seed. Take this seed right now and tell the Lord, put this deep in my heart. Let it bring back a return and a reward in my life. How many messages have you heard that you can't even remember anymore? That's the enemy stealing from us. Father, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for your kindness to us right now. Thank you, Lord, that in this day, you haven't left us or forsaken us. You're not up in heaven dealing with so many other things and what we're going through doesn't matter. In fact, God, you are right here with us. You said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And what's happening today, Father, oh man, it's crazy. Lord, what we see going on in Israel today is scary. God, how can this happen? And yet when we go back and read the word, we see Jesus pointed it out. That spirit of violence, that antichrist spirit, as we get closer to the point of deliverance, will become more frequent and more intense. You better know who your faith is in. You better know who you're trusting in. You better know what you believe and why you believe it today. And that's not a threat. And I know I'm intense. But man, I'm preaching peace to you. I'm preaching joy to you. I'm preaching safety to you today. And Jesus is that ark of safety. Here's what I would say. My advice, if you don't know Jesus, today's the day. Don't mess around. Today's the day. I'm not preaching religion. I'm not preaching reformation. I'm preaching relationship right now. Do you know him? Have you asked him for his mercy and his grace? Have you told him that you want him in your life? Don't know about him, know him. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears me knocking and opens the door, I will come into their life. Open the door today. He's knocking, pleading. And I'm not manipulating you, I am pleading with you. Don't mess around. Give your life to Jesus today. Tell him you need him. If you've done that, but you find yourself just maybe full of fear, maybe things are robbing your joy and your peace, that's what the enemy does. But the enemy is no match for our God. 
It's not good against evil. God's already won. The enemy will fight and will try, but the victory is ours. The victory is ours. You are more than a conqueror. You are well able to take the land. The Lord is for you and not against you. And so today, man, I call you close. Pay attention. Wipe the sleep from your eyes. Fill your heart with the Holy Spirit. Be ready, church. Be ready. Act like it could happen today, but plan like maybe not in our lifetime. But be ready. Be sober-minded. Be ready. And I pronounce over you the blessing of rest and peace. I detach from you things that the enemy has done. Schemes that have worked will no longer work in your life now. That the Lord will shut that door. He will cause that path to be unaccessible to the enemy. That as the enemy tries, he will find that a door has been closed. And that God now, the Holy Spirit, fills that place in your life. And you're going to find rest and you're going to find peace. And this is not just high-sounding, good-sounding, nice-sounding words. This is the will of God. And I attach it to you. And I do it with the authority that God has given me. In the name of Jesus. And now, this song we seal this day with, let it be your prayer, your morning, afternoon, evening prayer right now. Take this in. Don't just sing the words. Take it in. In Jesus' name.